Welcome back to another episode of the Heavy Hitters Podcast. Joey Miller alongside Mitch Elliott. How you doing today, Mitch? Doing good. Staying ready. Good to be back on. A little long break. There oh, for yeah. A while. Yeah, it was a long break. You know, life, life gets pretty crazy. And, well, the good news is, I guess, there's not much baseball action to cover anyway, so. <laughs> didn't miss much. <laughs> and just, just before we, we, we have a special guest today, just before we introduce him, I do want to go back to one of our very first episodes and just let everybody know that our prediction of the baseball start date was wrong. <laughs> we, we, Not very we, we were very hopeful and we were praying that we'd have some baseball before Flag Day, which is June 14th, and it's not going to happen. It's not happening. But we can say happy early birthday to Joey Miller. <laughs> That's true. That is true. <laughs> Sunday. Sunday. All right, guys. Well, we have a – Mitch and I have been putting together a list of people to invite here on the show um, just to have them share their stories. We feel that it's going to be very inspirational for you guys to hear a lot of different perspectives and, you know, different different roads and avenues that – that players and coaches have taken to, you know, make it, make it as far as they can in this game. And you guys have heard Mitch and I's story. Uh, we went into pretty good detail with, with both of ours, but we want to, we want to be able to have as many, as many people on here as possible from, from college coaches, from pro players, from high school coaches, anybody that, that is willing to come on here and share their story. So today, Today's no exception. We have we have current Seton Hall University assistant baseball coach uh, Mike Shimonico. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing pretty good, man. Doing pretty good. Good to hear from you guys. Um, just trying to stay locked in as best as I can right now. Heck yeah! Um, just just a little background before before we start. <laughs> we all three of us were teammates out in out in Roswell, New Mexico. Um, Mike, Mike spent a couple years out there while I was out there um, and then spent another two, two years in independent league baseball. Mike, can you, can you share with the audience where, where did you – what organizations did you play for at the pro level? Um, I played for uh, the USPBL, played for the, the Unicorns for two years, um, in the back half of 2017 and then 2018. And then I played for uh, the Milwaukee Milkmen in the American Association for about a month and a half this past summer in 2019. Oh, man. Mitch, you talk about two great names there. The, oh, yeah. The, U- the Utica <laughs> Unicorns and the Milwaukee Milkmen. That's some good baseball, too. <laughs> Shimmy, um a lot of people probably don't know it's a newer league, but that USPBL is is just like going right on right on par with how technology is developing. What was it? What was it like? Like what kind of um, bells and whistles did they have for you pitchers? Because I know I know the first spring training I went there, they were working on um, not only like unique arm care things, but they had like tech in the stadium. Um, was that pretty wild? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was for them. Their their goal as a organization was to get people to affiliated baseball. 
So they knew that the likelihood of tons and tons of scouts showing up wasn't great. Um, but sending out information on a daily basis and reports, um, they had a flight scope, which is pretty much a kind of an off-brand track man. Um, so they sent out all those reports on a weekly basis to uh, about 15 to 20 organizations. So that helped a lot of guys get signed. Um, and I want to say over the last year or two, they've implemented rap sodos during bullpens and stuff like that, just to try to collect as much data um, and try to improve player development as much as they can. Yeah, and I, I think it's a good glimpse into what the future of, you know, not only college recruiting and pro recruiting, but just baseball in general, you know, kind of utilizing that tech for the right thing. But, yeah, I mean, we'll get in more into that when, when you talk about your experience there. But I just wanted to note that it, as much as people try to, you know, the old heads try to deny the tech and say it's not worth it, it's it's definitely definitely going that way. And that – that is awesome. I, di- I didn't know that. I didn't know they had all that data and stuff in the in the stadiums and you know even in the even in BP and bullpen sessions too. Did they did in batting practice, Mike? Did they have um, did they collect a lot of data from from hitters as well, or was it primarily just pitchers? Um, I, when I was there, I don't think they were doing hitters um, with the flight scope. If you have okay. like a BP tunnel or like a BP cage in. Um, it might be tough to read. So I think if they took no BP with the BP with no, uh, no turtle, I think they would be able to do it, but I'm not entirely okay. sure. I, I know they did um, incorporate blast in game. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. They did use technology. Oh, wow. Times, so yeah, that's awesome though. Talk about that, weird. That, yeah. <laughs> but you talk about awesome though. And, uh, or an organization that, you know, they, they make a goal and they stand by it and they do everything they can to, to achieve it. And, you know, as sad as it is, I I wish all the independent leagues were like this, you know, especially, especially ones that you and I've, well, all three of us have played in. Um, Mitch and I didn't play in the USPBL, but, you know, it would have been awesome to be in front of all this data and have, you know, just, just have your stuff sent out to everybody on a weekly basis, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. sure. Um, You see guys getting drafted last night in the draft. And a lot of these high school guys are getting drafted off just strictly Rapsodo reports. Yeah. Obviously they've had a history of getting scouted, but just the, having that information there kind of allows just the process to become a little easier. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm trying to with all my with all my hitters and stuff. Of course, rap sodos aren't cheap, but I'm I'm working I'm working to get one of those because I know how important it all is. You know, like I'm I'm currently I'm currently just getting some exit velo, you know, with all my guys and just tracking tracking the progress from that standpoint as lo- as well as you know I do some slow mo video and video analysis and stuff, but. You know, the rap sodos are really, really cool. And I I'm I'm definitely gonna get one of those whenever the whenever the funds are right. But oh yeah. You know, I would I would consider for Mitch and I definitely not being exposed to all that technology. Um, you know, that's that was probably a big challenge for us and being able to, you know, further advance in our in our baseball careers. I wanna ask you though, Mike, what are what are some of the biggest challenges that you've had to face in your career, you know, from, I mean, it can be high school, college, or pro level, like just share with the audience some challenges you've experienced and that you've had to deal with. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing for me was just getting a late start to the recruiting process out of high school. Um, I had TJ my junior year in the spring, mm. um, and I, I, I didn't come back till my senior year spring in April. So my recruiting timeline wasn't really big. I, I didn't really do a ton of events as a sophomore. Um, so I had a really limited sample size. I mean, I was throwing for college, college recruiting coordinators 10 months off of TJ. So, I mean, that probably didn't put myself in a great position, um, to be honest. But I just wanted to give myself a chance to go play college baseball. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and for me, I, I think one of the things that, that me, and, me and a couple guys always talk about um, is that we grew up in the era of the beginning of player development, um, where fastball velocity started getting harder, but not everywhere in the country. Um, people started, people started kind of caring about exit velocity and, and launch angle. And that player development change got started, but not for everyone. Um, you had to be, you had to be, have, you had your ears to the ground and eyes wide open. Um, and for me, I wish I, I wish I would have found that stuff a little earlier. Um, for me, that was a good way that I could leverage my career um, and get some, get some of my own skill development. Um, and for me, finding that out later on in my career rather than, than earlier on, I think was just kind of a mountain to climb that was nearly impossible. Um, I wasn't the most athletic guy. Um, so me trying to utilize every ounce of my body was, was really important. And I think if I would have gotten as good as I was at the end of my career, um, closer to the beginning, I think I would have been in a lot better position to kind of have some success. Absolutely. Yeah, and just talk about for a second how, uh, how much of a, a mental, mental drop that is to have TJ in high school. Because, I mean, even today when, where TJ is good and you act, some people actually add velo, like if you're in high school and get that, those people just shut it down. They're like, okay. Um, I'm 17 and, and I got no elbow. It's probably not going very far. <laughs> uh, well, for me, honestly, I, I just wanted to play college baseball. Um, I, I, I thought I was pretty competitive in high school. I went to a very challenging high school. And for me, getting that surgery wasn't – I mean, I was sitting in the I was sitting in the emergency room crying. I'm like, I, don't, I really don't know how I'm going to do this. Um, I never really felt like I got an opportunity to I, – I, I wasn't able to end the, my career in my own terms at that point. So I really wanted to just try to get back. I was, it was physical therapy three days a week for two, three to four days a week for two hours. It was after four weeks in or after four, three months in, it was throwing program. Um, so I probably spent 25 to 30 hours a week on my body after, after, uh, after TJ in high school for about eight to 10 months. But so, I, go ahead, Mike. Oh yeah. I mean, and then from the mental standpoint, I mean, I think as an athlete and as a, as a competitive person that, I mean, from playing with you guys, I know that you guys are, and, and most people who get to a semblance of a professional level are, um, you always feel like your body's ready before it actually is. I mean, that oh, was probably sure. the most challenging part where I, I, I wanted to push it and push it and push it. Cause at that point I was playing with house money, right? I, I didn't really think I was yeah. coming back. So I just wanted to, to see what I can do. So I, I think that was the thing for me of, Let's just let's just see how fast I could do this, and, and from there on out, I probably say I took more chances with my arm than I probably should have. But knowing that, I I probably wouldn't have got to where I was um, if I didn't take those chances. Absolutely, that, and I just want everybody to hear that. Um, you know, go go back to what he said at the very beginning. You know, he he dealt with Tommy John, but he had a goal of I'm playing college baseball. And I think we can take a lot from that, especially parents, parents and players, really, you know, 
we worry so much about sometimes what what our players are going to do at age 13 or 14 or even 12. But here Mike is. He had TJ in 11th grade, and he kept that goal in mind of, okay, I'm not worried about high school. I'm not worried about coming back for high school. I'm worried about being ready for college. And I think that, I think that can go a long way in player development as well with, with some players, you know, let, let's, let's say it's the fall, you know, some players are so worried about what they're going to do the next spring season. But if we want to talk about long-term development, you know, if you're in ninth or 10th grade, we need to be worrying about, okay, I need to prepare for college. I'm, I just don't want to prepare to be a decent high school player. You know, I'm preparing right now to be the best college player I can be. And I think we can, I think we can all, I think we can all take something from that. Um, speaking of college baseball though, Mike, um, just for the audience, you went to Shenandoah university, which is, which is in Winchester, Virginia. And you put up a freaking awesome career, dude. Like you went 23 and four on the mound in your, in your four year career. But I, I just want everybody to Shenandoah is a division three school. What made you choose Shenandoah? You know, there's always there's always a lot of wrath about, oh, it was a D three or you know, I played at a, at a Division two school, you know, but I want people to understand, it doesn't matter where you go to school, you know, like it's college baseball is college baseball. So what made you what made you choose Shenandoah? Um, I, I think for me, I, I, I've played competitive baseball my whole life in terms of the teams I was on when I was younger was very good. Um, I enjoyed winning. Um, I thought that made me enjoy the game more of just being around guys that wanted to win. Um, so for me, that was kind of the first thing I prioritized when picking a college is I, I wanted a chance to win. Um, and before that, the year before I went there, um, they were a game away from a World Series they were two years removed from two back-to-back World Series appearances. Um, so for me, that was kind of the first thing um, when I was choosing a school. Uh, I wanted to make sure that I had a chance to compete in a regional World Series type of atmosphere. Um, and then for me, I think it was the coaching staff. Um, I think that it wasn't the flashy facilities because their facility isn't good. Um uh, their facilities are still not great. Um, they were supposed to start a project, but with everything going on, I really don't know how that's going to start. But the relationship I kind of built with the coaching staff was something that I really enjoyed and their mentality kind of matched my mentality. So for me, that part was a good fit. The chance to win was a good fit. And I think for me, the maturity factor of living away from home was something that I prioritized as well. Um, I think for me, that was kind of the three things that kind of put myself in a position to make Shenandoah the right fit for me. Absolutely. I, I, I love that. Um, I love that you said that the, the co- you wanted the coaching staff's mentality to match yours. I think I was in a very similar situation whenever I went from FCC to Concord. Like I, 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 I knew from day one on my first visit, and you can attest to this, Mike, if, if this is true to you, but my, my first visit to Concord, like, I knew I was going to go there. Like, as soon as, I, as soon as I talked to the coaching staff and was like, yeah, this is it. Like, did you, did you feel like that on your visit? Well, honestly, for me, it was just a wildfire. I, I think I took, like, ten visits in a matter of, like, two months. I think my <laughs> parents were getting tired of driving to places. 
Um, just because oh, everything God. in the recruiting process happened so late and I needed to make a decision rapidly. Um, so for me, I think that decision was, I mean, it was pretty easy when I got there. I knew that I love campus. Campus is beautiful. I, I like the city of Winchester. Um, and for me, having that experience of, of being at a program that wins perennial, perennially, like it kind of put me in a position um, to make that decision pretty easily. Nice. Did you guys, did you guys ever, and I, I, I forget, I forget you might've told me this before, but did you guys ever make it back to the world series during your career? Oh, oh no, we got close enough to put a, put a couple uh knives in the heart though. Uh, <laughs> uh, we lost in uh, my sophomore year. We were two, we lost in the regional semifinal. Uh, my junior year, we lost in the regional semifinal and my senior year, we lost in the regional final. So, uh. So, oh my gosh! So you're li- so we got close. You're literally one game away. Oh yeah. You're one one or two or three games away from from a World Series appearance. Man, that ah, oh, it's a stinger. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Even there though, even there, being disappointed by getting that far, that just kind of shows you how much of a winning atmosphere you know you were around. That's gotta that's gotta pump you up to keep playing after that more. Even if you weren't thinking about pro ball, maybe in high school. You know, when you keep getting a little taste of success, you got to think, man, well, a little unfulfilled. I got to keep going, right? Yeah, I mean, definitely for sure. I, I think one of the helped is uh, the group of freshman class that I came in with, um, we had about five or six guys that were just baseball junkies that just really didn't like anything else besides baseball, um, which kind of helped, helped that atmosphere that was already there. Um, but for us as seniors um, in Division three, you only have 16 days of coaches practice. So for us as seniors, when, when we got to take over the program, we were running team-led coach pitch inter-squads. Um, we were sending out lineups, taking it as seriously as we can. Um, I think for us, that atmosphere of just becoming the best baseball players as we can was was something that was so important to us. And out of that senior year team, I think we had seven or eight players go on to play professionally. So that, awesome, kind of, that kind of getting as good as you can get mentality kind of stemmed throughout the whole program. It sounds like it. And it sounds like you got a, I got a little taste of coaching as a senior there is um, did you know at that point that you would, you know, go on to coach after your playing career was over or, or did it just kind of like flash back and, and that was the next move? Uh, oh, uh, for me to get into coaching, honestly. So I was out at training. It was actually a weird story how I kind of got into coaching. Um, I was training out in driveline um, in 2017, um, December or uh, January and February of 2017 and then my pitching, and then my head coach calls me back and uh, says, "Hey, Mike, I need a pitching coach. Can you come back and help me out for the spring? I, I could pay you a little bit, and um, we, I need you to help out the staff. I need your help." Um, and for me, I, I felt like I owed a ton to him. Um, he gave me an opportunity, um, even when I failed in college. He gave me consistently, gave me opportunity. Um, we had a very good relationship, so I came back and trained, which was actually a great thing for kind of me training. Um, I had catchers to throw to all the time. Um, I had hitters that wanted to take live at bat. So for me, that developmental thing kind of helped coaching as well. And then once I started doing that, I realized that a life outside of baseball is probably something that I don't really want to do. Um, just because <laughs> I'm just such a competitive guy. Um, me going and working a nine to five office job and I'm sitting next to, I'm sitting next to Karen and Johnny and they're talking about, Oh man, I can't wait to get out of here. And I, I'm just at a, I'm just trying to win everything I do. Um, <laughs> And that's whether that's playing my grandpa in checkers or whether that's playing my little niece in, in hopscotch. I, I just want to beat everybody and everything. Uh, <laughs> I so love that's that. Kind of, that's that's awesome. kind of why I wanted to get into coaching is that I think it's a, a good transition from 
me trying to make an impact on youth, um, which I think is kind of the, the greatest factor of it. And then it's, then it's just the ability to try to beat other people. I love that. So you, you helped out at Shenandoah in 2017. Currently, right now, you're at a Big East school, Seton Hall University. How did you get hooked up with that gig? So honestly, so I, when I, this past summer, um, I got hurt um, in 2019, uh, found out that I had another slight tear in my UCL. I, I don't need Tommy John. I, I found a way to throw without it um, or with it slightly torn. Um, so it's really not a big problem, but I feel, I figured it was time for me to, to kind of take the next step into coaching. And for me, I wanted to, it, it worked out well that Seton Hall is about 30 minutes from my house. Um, I had a couple friends that went to the program out of high school. So when I applied, our assistant at Shenandoah was good friends with the head coach there. Cause he coached at West Virginia where they were in the big East at that point. Nice. Um, so he put a letter of recommendation in for me and I, I I guess I did well enough on the interview to get the job <laughs> so it was it was a cool experience for sure um it was kind of eye-opening to me to see the difference um in, in kind of competition level um and just kind of the overall experience for the student athlete um the, the the chance you have to get better at a division one school compared to a division three with the facilities and contact time I mean it is real I mean you do have an opportunity to get a lot better Absolutely. And I was getting ready to, you actually started answering my next question for you was, um, you know, D division three Shenandoah compared to division one Seton Hall. Like I was going to ask you, what are some of those, what are some of those big differences, you know, like is, is the, it's probably everything from, you know, like you said, facilities, you know, are, are you guys using a lot of data at Seton Hall? Yeah, so I mean, obviously the budget is um, a little bit different, uh, for sure. So we have, so we have the ability. We have some rapsodos. We have some blasts. Um, so we do implement technology for sure. And I think the biggest difference from a coaching perspective of the things I've noticed most in my first year are when you tell a guy to make an adjustment, he just makes it a lot more fast. He makes it a lot quicker. Oh yeah. So so I, I think that's that kind of takes out the trial and error process and, and kind of cuts that in fifty percent. So that you allow to make more changes in a shorter amount of time. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing is that in, in, a, in D3, where you have 16 days of fall practice, that player that you try to get something to change on day one might not figure it out by day 16. Um, where the players I work with now tend to have a propensity to after after day one, they might figure it out on day five. Um, so that learning curve for them is just a lot quicker. But from a baseball perspective and wins and losses, if, if you don't walk people and you don't make errors and you put the ball in play and, and hit it over outfielders' heads, you probably still win the game. So <laughs> just from a pure baseball perspective, um, I saw the same things. Um, you got to field PFPs. I mean, those come up all the time in college baseball just because people don't strike out as much. There's a lot more bunts and, and things like that. If, if you do the little things at either level, incorrectly you're going to lose and if you do the good things the little things correctly you're going to win it's kind of it's kind of the same thing when it comes to wins and losses but from how quick how good your players get in a short amount of time that's kind of the big difference for me and the the, the game speed I mean you you didn't have a, an opportunity to actually coach a real game did you because this was your first year there right oh no yeah I uh we had, we had 14 games oh you're already 14 games in okay 
I was, oh, yeah. I was going to say the difference, the pace of play is probably a lot different from, from a Big East game compared to a, you know, Shenandoah playing against a Bridgewater, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I just think simple, like the running times down the line. Um, I, I think when you get to the depths of the bullpen, um, you start to see some higher caliber arms at the Division One level, the drop off of talent in the lineups from lineups stretch one to eight or one to seven or the good teams. They stretch one to nine and D3, their lineup stretch one to five, one to four. Yeah. So I, I think that you're going to consistently get more balls in play. Um, you're going to kind of do some different things. Um, and honestly, running times down the line are a lot different as well. Arm speed, how quick the in, the infielder's clock of how fast you need to get the ball to first base, that all speeds up. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. So go, kind of going into our last question that Mitch and I have for you, um, you know, with all the with all the data and all the all the training stuff that you've been exposed to, all of your experiences – would you have done anything differently throughout your career, you know, from let's say from when you got Tommy John as a junior, would you have done anything differently to, you know, the end of 2019 whenever you officially retired as a player? Oh yeah, uh, for sure. I, I think, I think in any line of thing, um, if you don't do something differently, you're just being naive because I think everything can be done slightly better. Um, for me, I, I think I would have prioritized development a little earlier in my career. Um, everyone told me, oh, well, if you just do this, you throw, you, you'll get drafted. If you do this, you'll go play college baseball. If you do this, you'll have an opportunity to get signed. And, and for me, and I'm sitting there and, and watching the draft the past couple nights, um, I'm sure that you guys kind of, as baseball guys, is kind of the only thing going on. So I don't know if you guys tuned in. Um, but you saw the guys got drafted last night. Mid-90s fastball, mid-90s fastball, upper-90s fastball. I mean, it was just kind of scattered throughout the draft. I mean, there was a guy who threw 105 that got drafted in the fourth round. Yeah. There's some, there's some bangers. There's some bangers going out lately. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, I mean, there was a guy from Ball State who threw 101 who was – I think he slid to the third round, second or third round. Man, ten, ten, 10 years ago, I mean, that guy's a first-round pick. Bonafide. Oh, yeah. Um, for sure. So for me, I, I think I would have prioritized velocity development a little earlier. Because um, for me, I know I, I think that I know it was in there. Um, I, I think when I get, came back off of TJ, I was like 85 to 87. Um, in my last professional outing, I was like 92 to 95. Really? So for me, that was that was something that I know that I could have done. And if I would have tried to get it done earlier, um, age is always valued. So if I would have done that at 20, if I would have done that 18, 19, 20 years old, how would my career outlook look a little different when I did it when I was 25? Absolutely. So, so I think trying to prioritize that. And, and honestly, I think some of the coaches I had when I was younger were great. I think they were nice, very, very nice guys. Um, I think what they did tell me, they told me what I wanted to hear rather than things that I needed to hear of, Hey, can you, can you do this? Can you, can you get velocity? Can you try to work out? What does diet look like? What is what does your sleep habits look like? And I think things for me, if, if I would have prioritized development a little earlier, maybe my career would have looked a little different. Um, but for me, the biggest goal in my end goal of getting to my career was how good can I get at baseball? And it, it had <laughs> nothing to do with it had nothing to do. Yeah, that's with, awesome. It had nothing to do with, oh, man, I want to make it to the big leagues. Like if that was the end re result and product of me trying to get to the best I could then that that's awesome. But if it, if it ended up with me in Roswell, New Mexico, 
then that was fine too. Um, Absolutely. But for me, I just wanted an opportunity to see how good I can get. Um, and that's something that I try to tell our guys every time is that nobody's going to care about your career more than you. So you need to get to the point where everything means that much more to you, whether that's, whether that's velocity development, whether that's competition and, and whether that's throwing a breaking ball. Like for me, the end of my career was I want to throw a slider for a strike at will and get it a little bit better. And I did that. And everything that all the goals that I kind of set out for my career was working, be able to work into the mid nineties, be able to throw an off speed for a strike. And I did that. I mean, did I do it to the best of my ability? No, probably not. But for me, I got to the point where I had a skill set that could translate to a major league level. And was that, was that result? No, obviously not, not even close, but I didn't have the execution standpoint which I needed to get to that point. And I think starting in the Pecos League, there's so many mountains that you need to climb to get to where everyone wants to go, which is the big leagues. And for me, it wasn't about trying to get to the big leagues. It was just trying to about get as good as I can get. And then if that was the end result, that was great. Yeah, man, it sounds like Seton's lucky to have you. That's That's a very difficult mindset to have. And I think especially with younger guys, like it's very hard to think, oh, I just got to get even better, even better, especially when you're, like, dominating in high school. Like, that thought doesn't even creep in. It's like, what do you mean get better? I'm hitting, like, 550. Like, how <laughs> – what do you mean? I'm just going to keep balling out on people. Like, I think I think it's important, like you said, you know, there's nice guy coaches, there's guys who who help out and win ball games, But to have someone with, like – they can instill that in, like, a freshman coming in with raw tools, I mean, that's pretty impressive. And I think you're going to do some damage there, you know. As a Big East alum myself, oh yeah, um, you know, definitely hope you go go win some rings. Just take it easy on my muskies every now and then. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> you know, you you guys are Big East and all that stuff. I'm a Mountain East alumnist, <laughs> so you're even bigger. <laughs> that's yeah, mountain. That's the best mountains. That's mountains right there. No, but I wanna I wanna I wanna kind of give the audience, you know, the something Mike said earlier that I love. You know, when when we're looking at the draft, you know, you see, okay, first round pick, it says, you know, let, let's say his name's John Smith. It says, John Smith, fastball, 95 to 98, slider, 85 to 88. It doesn't say John Smith, 675 batting average at <laughs> at barbell high school you know it it, it is oh i wish i would have went there <laughs> yeah, I, I, that'd be a heck of a school to go to i wish that i wish that was a school but but it i i think and i go back to my playing career coaches and stuff were so worried about you know what kind of stats you can put up whenever sometimes playing for the stats is limiting your development if that makes sense oh for sure um, and there was a couple there oh sorry to interrupt. no go ahead go ahead you, oh, you got I, there, it there was two there was two things that i heard throughout my throughout my short, short stint in professional baseball was two things this two things that i heard that i thought were hysterical but in reality kind of true um one thing is they say scouts don't show up with a strike percentage chart they show up with a <laughs> they show up with a, what, what i used to call a talent detector right it's obviously talent doesn't mean that you're going to be successful but talent means you have the potential to be successful absolutely so i called the radar gun the talent detector 
And I, I love that. And like Mitch says, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of old school coaches, you know, from the youth level to even in high school. You know, you still experience it in, in high school to where they are so against. Don't worry about the radar gun. You know, don't worry about how hard you can throw. Don't worry about how hard you can hit the baseball. But, you know, the game the game is developing so rapidly in the past 10 years that they don't care what your batting average is in high school. They, they care about what your body looks like and what your body is going to be able to achieve at, at the collegiate and at the pro level. You know, like they're not, they're not worried about you going three for four in, in, in the game that they're coming to watch you. Or they're not, they don't care about the, you know, if you, if you go out there and you throw a no-hitter in six innings. Like they want to, they want to see you light up the freaking radar gun. You know, and it's, oh. it's, it's not it, – the game is not where it used to be in that sense. You know, they, it's, there's, so, there's such a value now on – as a pitcher, especially for you, Mike, you guys need to – your arsenal, which is, you know, what your, what your types of pitches are and all that stuff, how you, how you, how you deal with hitters, you need to get your arsenal as best – like – as developed as the best as you can instead of worrying about, you know, your 23 and four record in college. You know, I bet you any pro scout, they didn't sign you because you went 23 and four in college. They signed you because you throw a low nineties fastball with a, with a devastating slider. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, I think that that skill set is skill set gets you in the door. Um, whether that's at any level, um, if it's a college, um, if it's at a really competitive travel ball scene or whatever, or, or professional baseball, I think at that point, then the execution part becomes a separator. Um, cause like we said, everyone throws 95. Now, if everyone throws 95, then you're kind of, even if you do throw 95, you're forced to throw strikes. Um, and if you if you hit home runs, all right. Well, now the best home run hitters in baseball hit for high average. Yeah. So there's no there's no more guys that just go out there and just pop thirty tanks. It's oh, it's Cody Bellinger who hits two ninety five with forty tanks. It's Yelich yeah. who hits who hits forty tanks and bats over three hundred. So I think once you get to those levels, um, especially when you start to play very competitive baseball, when people are getting paid based off of wins and losses, I think at that point you need to start separating your separating yourself with execution. But a lot of the guys that, that I know Joey that you, know, you deal with and, and Mitch, I know that you have a hand in the game still. Um, a lot of the guys that you deal with and, and even me for a sense, they, they need to really focus on trying to get to the best that they can be. Um, plus getting better at execution. I don't, I don't think those two things are, are mutually exclusive. Um, I think that you can get better while still trying to focus on execution. Absolutely. No scout wants to show up and see you 90, 92 max effort and zooming balls to the backstop. But (laughs) that's true. But if you can go out and, and care about development and care about a process um, during practice and then in games focus about execution, then you're in a good position in practice. If you're thinking about, Oh man, I'm really trying to work on my game and, and I'm really focused on how I'm moving and, and what, and what I'm doing for workouts and stuff like that. And then in the game, you focus on trying to become the best player you can be and outplay the competition. 
I think that's when you get in that that steady groove of that bell curve where you start to get to the top from a mentality standpoint. Yeah, I mean, talent gets you in the door, but execution keeps you playing for a long time for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that that was awesome, Mike. Thank you for sharing all of your all of your knowledge bombs like we like we like we say here on the air, but you know, that's we got a little taste of your of your story, but as well as you providing a lot of, I mean, that was a lot of valuable insight there for, for players, parents, and even other coaches, you know, like the mentality that, that all three of those different people need to carry. Um, man, Mitch, what did you think about all, all that, all that knowledge that all that insight that Mike gave us? I mean, I mean, it's awesome. I think it'll help anyone, but I think you can tell just from listening, like Shimmy talked a lot about, you know, being good and being aggressive and all that kind of stuff. But, but if you want to make it far, whether it be coaching, playing or in your career, otherwise, like if you hear how intense he is when he talks about stuff, like, I think that more than almost anything is why he he's at where he's at. Like, Obviously, you had to interview for that job. I think just talking to you for like five minutes after seeing you on the mound, I'm like, that's the kind of guy you want around. So absolutely. So you know, the talent and all that's important, but you got to have passion. And obviously, this is a dude who just has a ton of it. You could, like, I wish you guys would have been able to see him take some pictures <laughs> because it was an absolute show. Oh, pure. Yeah, I agree with you. Pure, pure passion and a. Uh freaking high level competitor man so so thank and some juice on the bat th- thanks mike for appreciate that mitch thanks <laughs> appreciate that thanks mike for hopping on here with us oh no problem i appreciate you guys and i, I just wanted to say real quick to uh, all the people listening um that these two guys have continued to kind of work hard in their craft and these guys no matter kind of the passion i have i, I think that that is something that that i kind of got from from the group of guys that I was around in Roswell that kind of helped as well. Um, a lot of, a lot of self-determined guys that really wanted to make something out of their lives, whether that was in baseball, out of baseball. Um, I know one of our other fellow guys, Bobby Webb runs the Academy out in California. Shout out, shout out Bob. Um, but all, all these guys are so successful and so passionate about the game of baseball that kind of wherever I think you guys are doing, um, whether it's hit factory athletics um, or whether it's it's kind of you, Joe, with, with all your players out in Maryland, I think that you guys are so passionate that you guys are going to be really successful. We, 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 we appreciate that, Mike. Um, no appreciate problem. that for sure. All right, guys. Well, thank, thanks so much for tuning in. Um, be sure to follow. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Coach Joey Bats. You can also hop on there and, and follow Mitch at Baseball Realist. And Mike, Mike, where can people connect with you on on social media? Um, I'm mostly on Twitter. Um, okay. I would say I don't post probably as much as I should, um, but it's Shimonico41. Oof, man, you're gonna have to let people know how to spell Shimonico. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, I get that everywhere I go. <laughs> I, I think that all the, all, I think one of the interesting parts about my entire career was listening to all the times that my name was butchered. Oh yeah. I mean, it was, it was bad at times. I mean, there was some really bad butchers and it got to, Sky the, point where, it got to the point where that was like the best part about showing up and pitching. Um, I hopped on the mound and they heard, and I said my name and I'm like, Oh man, I was, I'm uh, waiting to see how bad it could be. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank Thanks for tuning in and be on the lookout for, for our next episode. Thanks, Jimmy. Oh, no Peace. problem. Thank you for having me guys.